morning we're going to continue with the ships of faith. And we're looking at discipleship and what discipleship means. I want to take just a couple minutes and review the word that God gave me last week in case you weren't here. Because for me, it is, it is just the absolute foundation for what I want to share with you this morning. And again, Pastor Al and I are going to do a little bit of tag team preaching. I really want you to be able to receive from him. He is a disciple maker. And it's the very thing that just, just beats in his chest, disciple making. You get with Aladino for a half an hour over a cup of coffee and you just want to go make a disciple. Just what is on him gets on you. And uh, my, my goal this morning is, again, for you to really be able to receive from Him and from His heart. But again, there's some foundational things I want to share with you. Again, let's just take a minute. I told you last week, God really gave me four words concerning discipleship. Now, I know better, and I don't want to offend uh, myself or anyone else by asking you if anybody can remember any of them. One of the most hilarious things I've learned over the years, I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, Pastor, man, the Lord really touched me and I got saved. And, you know, I don't have any idea what you were talking about, but God was, God was dealing with me. And um, I know it's not about necessarily being able to really retain and grab a hold so much of the words. It's just really jumping in and catching the spirit of what God is doing. But I want to share these with you again because I know... Again, just it was such a clear word from the Lord. The first one is this. Discipleship is a revelation. And by revelation, I mean it's it's you being aware of your need to grow. How many of you this morning have had a revelation that you need to grow and mature in God? Is there anyone here that realizes you need to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? See, that's a revelation that we come to that God gives us. And it begins the whole process of discipleship. Now, by discipleship, what am I talking about? Remember how we define discipleship? The process of becoming like Jesus. The process of being transformed from normal, natural people just living in the world and doing the best they can to actually becoming men or women of God. People that have learned to love the Father and obey Him. That's discipleship. And you see that word discipline. What is it that that nobody likes but everybody needs? Mm, Discipline. Who likes to be disciplined? That's what what I figured. I didn't see a single hand move. I saw one there. and uh, You know what I'm saying. Nobody likes discipline. In fact, many times we get offended when someone, even God Almighty's Word, disciplines us. Boy, we need to think about that. Are we going to be offended at the Word or transformed by the Word? Discipleship. So, first, it's a revelation. And again, this is the whole foundation. If you have not had a revelation of how much you need to grow in God, you're not going to be teachable. You're not going to grow. In fact, you're even going to resist it and fight it. 
and harden your heart. That's one of the great mysteries. Again, there's so many that, that I've learned over the years. Things I would have never understood in a million years if the Holy Spirit hadn't opened my eyes to it, my heart to it. Do you understand that through the preaching of the Word, in the same message, someone's heart will get soft and someone's heart will get hardened in the exact same message, in the exact same environment of the Holy Spirit, according to the condition of a person's heart. Wild. You can come to church and actually go out in worse shape than when you came because you are at a place where you're not going to receive it and you won't enter in and you won't hear it and you won't listen. This is why I say discipleship is a revelation. Until you have a revelation, you're not going to pick up the Bible on your own. I was content to live for 22 years of my life without ever picking up a Bible. In fact, we used to laugh about it. I remember in the oil field, and we would watch the sun rise over the ocean and be out in the middle of nowhere. It was amazing. We were some of the most ungodly men on the planet. You know what we'd end up talking about as we were looking at creation? We'd look at the stars at night, and we'd look at the ocean, and we'd look at the sun coming up over the sea. It was amazing. We, we, we ended up talking about God all the time. There wasn't one of us that ever picked up a Bible and actually learned about God. What we wanted to do was tell everyone what we thought about God. Boy, what craziness. Me and my buddies, if some of those sermons or, or messages were taped, they would be worthy of the burn barrel at the encounter retreat. I guarantee it. None of us had a clue what we were talking about. But we were mesmerized and transfixed at the reality of something that created this incredible planet that we live on. Just exactly as the Bible says, creation was speaking to us. Amen. Anyway, revelation. I'm telling you right now, you need a revelation of how awesome God is and your true spiritual condition. Spiritual poverty. When you have spiritual poverty, it's going to cause you to begin to seek the Lord like never before. Amen. The second thing I said about discipleship was this. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. You look at Acts chapter 2. And again, Pastor Al is going to share a little bit about this this morning. Acts chapter 2, you see the lifestyle of the early church. It's not a matter of just going to a church service. It's a lifestyle that we live. Every day, you know, literally. And, and I tell you, Jesus needs to be the Lord in your home, in your office, in your business, and everything that you do. He's with you and He's there with you. And even if you're working a secular job, you can do it for the glory of God. It is your lifestyle. And every day, daily, they continued in the Word, the apostolic teaching, the apostles' doctrine. They continued in prayer and fellowship and breaking of bread. They worshipped in homes. They met in the temple and in houses. They had a lifestyle of evangelism and worship and loving God. And they became disciples. Somebody say amen. There's a lifestyle. And again, this is what we're after here in this church. I want you to know our goal is, is to literally never even get to a point where we become so large that you can just sort of hide in the crowd. By then, we're going to multiply congregations. It's a matter of, of you rising up and becoming the man or woman of God that can lead another group. Once you become a disciple, you can become a disciple maker. And you can begin the very process of raising up others. And I, I tell you this, 
I, I was in for years of my life what we call the charismatic church where you can just sort of sit somewhere and hide and nobody know you and you have no real relationships in your life. How many of you know that's not relationship or discipleship? That's just sort of, I don't know, Christian auditing, passively attending a church and uh, with no intention at all of doing anything that you hear. That's not our goal. Amen? It's to become the men and women that God has ordained us to be. The third word that God gave me about discipleship is that it is a goal. And the goal is to rise up in maturity. Remember Hebrews chapter 5, when you ought to be teachers. I shared with you the, the, the real story. You know, I'll never forget when Samuel was born and I was looking at this little guy. He is so awesome. I remember looking at the reflection in the glass there in the hospital. And I'm standing there and I've got my son in my, my hands. And again, it's probably the, the happiest day of my life in a very real sense. I remember I actually saw myself, I was jumping up and down. I don't know how on earth, but anyway, my son, healthy. I'll tell you what, he was awesome. He's about this long. Right now I have to look up to him. Suppose ten years later he's a baby this big. What's discipleship? Growing up in maturity. How many of you know it's awesome to be a baby? But you should grow. You should mature. You should become a mature person in God. You know, I look at those three levels, if you will, of spiritual growth, and we're going to look at them in a little bit more detail if we have time this morning. In 1 John chapter 2, John gives us three levels. Do you remember what they are? We have some interactive church this morning. What are the three levels of spiritual growth we find in 1 John chapter 2? We have little children, we have young men, and we have fathers. Could you imagine God wanting you to begin to multiply yourself into someone else? That you could go from a little child to a youth or a teen in Christ? Anybody remember what it says about the teens? Who are they? The Word of God is strong in them, and they've overcome the wicked one. Can I say to you, I've had elders and churches on my boards that did not qualify to be young men because the Word of God was not strong in them and they had not overcome the wicked one. It's amazing. God actually defines levels of growth and levels of maturity in Christianity. A baby is someone that knows Jesus died for them on a cross and they've opened their heart to God and they've let God begin to deal with them in their lives. But until the Word of God is strong on the inside of you, you'll never overcome your sin and the wicked one. And the truth is you have not grown up even until youth. And by definition, what's a father? Help me with this. Who's a father? When did I become a father? When Samuel was born. When I had reproduced. What's the goal of discipleship, guys? Come on now. Such a powerful word. Reproduction. God is... Literally, you have in you the DNA, Christ's DNA in your heart and spirit. 
to make a difference in someone else's life. To, to, to put what's in you into someone else. Amen. We've got to be careful the way we use that term. Because, um, but, you know, that's what it is. And then the last one, does anybody remember the last word that I gave you last week? Ah, destiny. What is, when I say discipleship is a destiny, what are we talking about? In 1 John chapter 1, John says this, Our fellowship is with God. Could you imagine that? When I say it's a destiny, what are we talking about? Growing up to a place where we're no longer just living in this world as the world lives, but we are fellowshipping with God on a daily basis. Our life has been so transformed. I was, I was doing a Bible study this weekend with a young man, and we were looking at the life of Noah, and I was just thinking about these, these statements about people's lives in the Word of God. You know what the Bible says about Noah? He was a righteous man in his generation, and, and the summary statement is this, he walked with God. What makes Noah a godly man when the whole world is falling apart? And I mean the whole world was falling apart. How many of you know God can keep you in the midst of an absolutely crooked and perverse generation? You, you don't ever say, well, it's just so tough out there. Look, you're not living at a time like Noah where God is fed up and is just going to wipe out the whole human race. Noah walked with God when literally no one else did. And that's possible for every one of us in this room. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how hard it gets, and tough it gets in our generation. You can walk with God and see what, that's what I'm saying. Discipleship is a destination. It's a destiny. It's to become a man or woman of God. Someone that walks with God. Someone that hears His voice and knows Him and enjoys Him. Amen? I was thinking about it every time I, I look at our, our purpose or our vision statement of the church. You know, our vision is to continue what Jesus began here on earth. Our vision is to win the lost. Our vision is to make disciples. Our vision is to raise up godly leaders. Our vision is to plant churches and to send missionaries out until Jesus comes back. But how many of you know the vision really is to enjoy your life with God while you're here on earth? It's not just about all these things that we do, although... That is the vision that God has given us. I tell you, my vision is to enjoy Him and to walk with Him, to have fellowship with God every single day. Man, that's, that's my destiny. That's, that's what God's called me to. How many of you know I was never really created to preach a sermon? I was never created to win a soul. I was never created to make a disciple. These are all things that happen now out of necessity in the body of Christ. Because God loves the lost so much, He wants to raise people up to go out and touch their lives. What was I really created for? Yeah, to worship Him, to love Him, to know Him, to walk with Him and obey Him, and to enjoy Him. Could I use that term? That's a radical one. You know, when David is praying for revival... There in Psalm 85, what does he say? Revive us again. Listen to this. That your people may rejoice in you. We rejoice in all kinds of foolish things. 
And I'm as guilty as anybody. You know, I was watching a basketball game the other day and I found myself jumping out of the chair. Wait a minute, something's fundamentally wrong. When was the last time I read my Bible and jumped out of the chair? I do sometimes get so stirred up I got to get up and walk around. But anyway, look, this morning, go to John 8. John chapter 8. Let's talk for a few minutes about discipleship. What I want to share with you is, is some of the most radical stuff that God has ever really given me. Let's see if I can find this message real quick. John chapter 8. Take a minute and look at a foundational verse that every one of you is very familiar with. John 8, 31. I'm reading out of the New American Standard this morning. So if yours says something a little bit different, just buckle your seatbelt and open your heart. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him, I want you to really hear me. Not just hear me, hear the Word. Listen to this. If you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine. You're my disciples if you continue in my word. Now, can I say that's the foundation of discipleship? Living in the word of God. Again, if all Christianity is is an hour on a Sunday morning, would you call that living in the word of God? This is a daily walk with the living God. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. And look at this. You will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Now I want you just to go with me here for a minute and just think about this logically. If I'm not continuing in the truth, then what does that mean? I'm in deception. It's going to get real quiet in here. I guarantee it. It's one of the heaviest revelations I've ever had from God. Anyone that does not read their Bible is deceived by the enemy. Because you don't know the truth, and it's the truth that makes you free. So what else do I know about someone that doesn't read their Bible? They're not free. They're in bondage to their own lies. Again, let's go back and look at this. What does it say? If you continue in My Word, then you're My disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If I haven't spent any time in the Word, I don't know the truth. That means I'm living in a lie. And can I tell you, when I came to Christ, I thought I wasn't that bad a person. How many of you know that was my first real fundamental lie that I believed? I'm okay. It's okay to live like I'm living. I set up myself my standard. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't, you know raped anyone. I haven't robbed any banks. I'm okay. How many know that's me living by my standard? 
What was I really? Well, I was a liar and a thief and a fornicator and a drug addict and an alcoholic and a felon. Uh Uh-oh. He went there. Yeah, I did. What's the reality of it? The truth, the Word of God, had to speak to the lies that I was believing. Setting me free from the influence of the enemy in this world. If you continue in My Word, then you're My disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Can I say this to you? Until Jesus... Now look, it's not just the truth that He died on a cross that makes you free. How many know demonic beings believe and know Jesus died on a cross? Hitmen in Chicago that are going to go and shoot someone in the next month believe Jesus died on a cross. It's not the awareness that Jesus came and died that makes someone a Christian. It's when they embrace His teaching and His lifestyle, His values, His vision, His purpose. This is Christianity and this is discipleship. To become a disciplined follower of Jesus. I hope that is the goal, literally. For every single one of you in this room. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're going to try to, you're going to miss the target, not even shoot at the right one. It's amazing. I remember one time in camp, this is a true story. There was a kid that shot an arrow at the side of a barn and went and painted a target around his arrow and said, I hit the bullseye. I think that's what an awful lot of us do in life. We literally shoot the arrow somewhere, it sticks to a tree or whatever, and then we go and paint a target, and man, we hit what we were aiming after. Mm -mm. The aim or the goal is Christ. It's to become like Jesus. It's to become what He is, how He thinks, how He lives, what He values. One day, could you imagine this? Every one of us is going to stand in front of the living God. And you know what the standard is? Not your standard or my standard. It's His standard. It's His is the glory and the kingdom and the power forever and ever. Amen. What's true? What He says is true. What's valuable? What He values. What's worthless? What He says is worthless. Everything that you see on a modern TV set is basically the opposite of the principles of the kingdom of God. I'm here to tell you right now, Jesus is looking for people that that want to get out of the deception that they're living under. Does it offend you this morning that I say, unless you have taken deliberately some real time and laid a foundation of the Word of God in your life, you are living in deception. Why do I say that? Because the truth is what sets me free. And I'll never come to the truth unless I come to the Word of God. 
That's a slap in the face. God is actually saying to every one of us, it is time for you to stop thinking the way you're thinking. It is time for you to stop living the way you're living. It is time for you to stop making yourself the standard. It is my Word that is the standard. It is my standard that is the standard. Deception. You know, I was deceived at one point in my life to thinking that, that fornication was fine. I was thinking about this, you know, I, I can't tell you how many people, if I even mention the word pornography in church, I'll have somebody say, well, I wasn't even thinking about that. And then you've started preaching about pornography and it caused me to fall into pornography. No, it didn't. You wanted your pornography. I mentioned the word and you thought, wow, I haven't thought about that in a while. I think I'll check it out this week. No, according to your own lust in your heart. It's amazing. What Satan needs to destroy you is not something from the outside. The Bible tells us in the book of James that each man, when he is tempted, is drawn away and enticed by his own lust. How many of you know we've got the seeds of our failure already in our hearts? You know what I need? I need the truth to set me free. There's so many, I tell you, there's so much that we're going to take for granted as well. That's just the way it is in the world. You know, you have to lie to get ahead in business. You have to cheat. You need to cheat on your taxes or cheat on your boss. It's a hilarious commercial I saw on TV the other day where some guy is deliberately paying way too much for something, doesn't realize his boss is there, and his statement is, it doesn't cost me a thing. That's the way he thinks. doesn't matter if he rips off his company. doesn't matter if he rips off his boss because it didn't come out of his pocket. He doesn't care. Can I tell you that there's a standard that God wants us to live by? And let me, let me get really radical with you so that you could be set free from the influence of the enemy in your life. Look at this, look at this crazy verse of scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I know sometimes the accusation literally is made against ministers that were way too close-minded, were way too narrow, were too mean, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Can I say to you that we simply believe the Word of God is the truth and everything else is a lie? And if that's too narrow, then I'm narrow. But I happen to think that God's Word is very broad. I believe it speaks about literally everything we're going to face in life. And He's given us a revelation. Listen to this, Ephesians 2, and this is verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience. And among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love, in which He loved us, even we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. But think about what he's saying there in those first couple of verses. The whole world is lying under the influence of the enemy. 
Why, why discipleship? Why is this so important? Why must every one of us in the sanctuary this morning get into a good Bible study, begin to read the Scripture on a regular basis in our own personal lives? Why should every one of us have a family devotional time? Why? So that I come out from under the influence of the enemy. And can I be so bold as to say you're not going to hear it on TV. It's not going to come to you from a Hollywood movie. While you're you're living your normal life and the normal course of life, you need to set aside time on a daily basis to sit at the feet of the Lord and let Him teach you His truth. Let Him transform your mind. Because every one of us, at one time or another, has come under demonic deception. Can I say this this morning? Every area of your life that you have not submitted to Jesus is an area that you're in deception in. I knew that would go over big. I'm going to say amen to myself. That's awfully good preaching, preacher. Thank you. Thank you. Amen goes there. Glory to God. Any area of your life, name it, from your finances to your sexual life to the entertainment that you spend your, your, your free time with to, you name it, any arena of life. There's only one or two options. To submit to God's will. Let me give you First Samuel chapter 15. It's a radical verse here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude this morning with First Samuel 15 and, and call Pastor Al up just to share for a few minutes what's on his heart concerning discipleship. My prayer is that every one of us will begin to really embrace the reality of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus And I realize that it's not a very exciting message to say, guys, gals, pick up the Bible. Read the Word. Live the Word. Pray the Word in your life. You you married couples, pray together. Study together. Make Jesus the Lord of your home. You know, that's not a very exciting message. But it is the very foundation of Christianity in your life. You know, I know this is because I've seen this for more than 20 years of full-time ministry. What many of us are going to say is, well, I know that that truth is real. I know that God's Word is true. But God understands me. And He understands that, well, while that's what the Word says, this is how I really want to live. And what I'm saying to you is, change. Let the two begin to match up and come together. Practice what you hear in the Word of God. Amen? Look at what the prophet Samuel says to King Saul. In verse 22, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed or to listen than the fat of rams. Think of that. Don't just listen to the Word. Do it. Obey it. Uh Uh-oh, I used a four-letter word in church. Obey. That's right. There's another one. Pray. 
Uh, don't get me started. We don't have time for a wrap at this point. Listen to verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of divination or witchcraft. And in my translation, insubordination. If, if you have a King James or a New King James, stubbornness. Can I share this with you this morning? Either we have a teachableness in our heart or a stubbornness and a resistance to becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. And you know, the amazing thing is you're going to choose frustration and bitterness instead of joy and freedom. And that's what, that's what just, you know, I'm beginning to understand how God sees this thing. He reaches out to a people all day long that just sort of stiff arm Him. Can I say it's time to soften our hearts like never before. Listen again to just the Scripture. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft or divination, insubordination. Let me ask real quick. Do we even use the term insubordination? About the only context I can even think of it would be in the military. You can be busted down in rank for what? Insubordination. We don't even, in our society, this is one of these words that we just done away with. We don't even want to hear it anymore. Can I tell you that when you and I know the will of God, the only proper response is to bow our knee and say, Father, I'm in. Whatever it is that you tell me, God, I will obey you. I will walk with you. I will yield myself to it. Stubbornness. You know, I want to say this. that One of the biggest issues that you and I are going to face is our own stubbornness. We want to stay the way we are. We don't want to change. You know, change is for little kids. That's why we send them to school. I can't tell you how many parents have told me, you know, as they hand off one of their youth, you know, do something with this kid. I can't do anything with him. You change him. You've got to be kidding. The Word of God is the only thing that's going to change us. And it's the revelation of discipleship. I have the opportunity to become like Christ. To overcome my deception. You know, every one of us in this room, in all honesty, is not deceived in our hearts about how we're living and what we're living for and what we're doing. And if our life was on a screen, you and I both know where we're at. Now the reality is, are you going to be stubborn, insubordinate, or bow your knee to the Word of God? I'm telling you, when we began to pray in our last fast, we have another one coming up in April. We're going to fast from the 3rd, literally, to Easter. We're going to break our fast on Easter together as a church. The Lord spoke to me, go back to the fundamentals. And even the word, the ships of faith, just came to me. I'm thinking, ships? What do you mean, ships? And all of a sudden, lordship, discipleship, stewardship. And, and you know, I, we're, we're, going to, we're going to take some time and just relay the foundation. Can I say this? The most important thing about you is how you're being discipled. I remember one day hearing somebody say, you know, we got a generation here being discipled by Guns N' Roses and Madonna. Why would you expect them not to be any different than the way they are? 
When I was a kid growing up, we were being discipled by the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Can I tell you, if you're not careful, whatever you're sitting in front of begins to cast a vision. Why do you think they call it a television? It's telling you a vision. I know, that's just too deep. That's too radical. You want the Greek word for it. How about moranos? <laughs> Never mind. Pastor Al, come on up here and bail me out, brother. This is getting too heavy today. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Well, you heard it here first. Men weren't created to preach. So if you don't like my message, you know, I wasn't created to preach, man. Amen. No, our purpose, you know, uh, for doing what we do, man, is to, to fan the flames. What I shared last week, what I'm going to share this week, is nothing that you haven't heard already. It's the truth of the Bible. Amen. But every now and then, you've got to be reminded of the truth. Because sometimes men lose the truth. You know, you don't backslide because you're in your Bible and you're fasting and you're praying. You backslide because somewhere along the line you lost the truth. And I think Paul said it best. He says, there came a time when men began to exchange the truth for a lie. And so I want you to turn to the person next to you and just grab a piece of paper and begin to fan them. Because we're going to fan the flames today. Amen. You can blow on them if he's your husband or wife. Don't be blowing on just anybody. Just blow. Just blow. Because some of you need to get on fire for God. Amen. Listen, we, we want to create a kingdom culture here. A community of believers. Then what? After we preach the gospel, after we win souls and bring them in um, and make disciples, we, we're trying to create a community of believers. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I want to experience that here in our church. But more than that, I know the God of heaven wants us to experience that well. He wants us to experience community. He wants us to experience the love of God with one another. That's the father's desire. That's his heart, man. That's his heartbeat. It can't just be go out there and preach the gospel and nothing else happens after that. There's always a then what. It's got to end up for us here. Then what? A community of believers who love God and love everybody who walks through that door. And not just love them any kind of way. Love them unconditionally. Amen. And listen, we can't do that with just just the, just the leaders. Everybody has to be involved in doing this, creating this community. We all have to have one mind. We have to all be in unity with one purpose to create this community. We can't all be divided doing our own thing our own way. Remember we mentioned last time, there's a way that the father lives. There's a way in the father's house where his children grow up into. Okay? Now, now it's very important that we understand that. So corporately, we want to do this. We want to create this community. However, I mentioned this last time, and I'm going to do it real briefly. Unless we change our mindset from, hey, it's not my business, it's your business. And you're right, it isn't your business. It's our business. Why? Because it's the Father's business. And everybody in the Father's house, all his children, should be about his business. Amen? So if I ask you who's responsible... Turn to the person next to you. Tell them you're responsible. So that's the who. Now let's talk about the why today. Why we're doing this. Why we make disciples. Why is it so important? Go with me real quick to Matthew 28. Again, it's something that we went over. I'm just going to briefly hit on it again. There's a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Matthew 28. Um, we're going to see the Great Commission here. Praise God. I'll get you out of here real quick. Let 
What's wrong with this Bible? Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you all the way to the very end of the age. Listen, this, again, we mentioned it's a command. We're mandated. We don't have a choice whether we're going to make disciples or not. That's just the way of the Father. This is what He expects of us. Amen? And, and what's interesting here is that, you know, Jesus wasn't just talking to anybody. He didn't just gather a group of men from nowhere and begin to talk with them. These were men that He lived with. These were men that He prayed with. These were men that He ate with. These were men He had, He began to create a community. And even, these were men He even, He rebuked. Do you know that? I mean, at one time in Mark, with, with the boy that was, um, that had the impure spirit, they got, the disciples got tricked on. Somebody came and ran, you know, like a little trick, just running, hey, you see this guy? I brought this sick boy to your disciples, and they couldn't heal him. A bunch of wimps. If you think you're bad, Pastor Steve got a whole locker full of squirt guns. He likes chasing hell with squirt guns. So they run, and they trick up on the disciples, man. And, you know, Jesus goes on and say what he's got to say about this, this generation and the faithlessness that they have. And then later on in the verses, they run up to him and they say, hey, now they're gathered around a fire. And it says, hey, 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 Jesus, hey, master, why couldn't we heal this boy? What a perfect opportunity. What a perfect opportunity. And Jesus took it like always. He says, let me tell you something. Sometimes these things you're going to have to do a little bit more praying and a little bit more fasting. They're just not going to come out like that. But again, he modeled it before them. He showed them what it was. If there's anything, listen, he, Jesus never said this. Just do what I say. Don't do what I do. He never said that. No. And in fact, he said, he goes, I only do what I hear and see my father doing. I do nothing else. And so if there's anything I know, and we mentioned this last time, you can't give to somebody what you don't got. You, you know, and, and I said, you know, you, you can't be, make disciples unless you've first been discipled. Now, I know you might say, no, that's not true, Pastor. I, I can make a disciple. You, you, you probably can. But he'll probably look like you, sound like you, and act like you. And that's not what we want to do. We want to build, we want to make disciples and leaders that are whole, that are healthy, that have the fire of God, the vision of God burning within them so that they could pass that on. Not their garbage. I don't want to pass on my garbage to you. You don't want a bunch of Aladinos. I mean, it might be not a bad idea, but you know. <laughs> Listen real quick. Just, just write this down. Hebrews 13, 7. Um, you know, I want you to write this down before I go there. Jesus lived and walked out the Father's purpose among his disciples. He trained them and equipped them so that they can continue to model what he did in front of them. Listen what Hebrews 13, 7 says. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their ways of life and imitate their faith, not their life, but their faith. Listen, when you walk around some of the brothers here, they're going to tell you they're going to tell you maybe what you want to hear. And that's all good, because at the end of the day, when when the times get hard and the waves start to crash against their house, then you really want to watch how they respond and react. 
Are they going to respond and react based on the truth of God and the revelation of God that they receive from him? Or are they going to shake in their boots? And he said, imitate their faith. Watch them. Study them. Did you see them? They said something about who they believed in, the almighty God. And when the hard times came, they walked it out. They lived it out in their life, man. That's the kind of guy I want to be with. That's the kind of woman y'all need to want, want to find in your life, you, you women and you men. That's, that's the kind of person I want to walk. You want to be an eagle? Then fly with the eagles. You want to be a duck? Then start quacking with the ducks. You bunch of... Look at 2 Timothy. Listen to this. 2 Timothy. What does uh, 2 Timothy say? In uh, chapter 2, 1 through 4. 2 Timothy. This is, uh, this is my uh, favorite verse. I have this on my mirror at home. I look at it every morning when I wake up. It's, uh, it's powerful. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 4. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. He, he, you know, Paul calls him his son. Was he his son? Was he his son? He wasn't, it wasn't his son from, from birth, but he was his spiritual son. And he walked with Paul, and Paul allowed him to see all the things he did. He poured his life into this young man, Timothy. And he says, now listen, now you go do. You, you pass this on to reliable, faithful men. Do we have any faithful men and women here today? Do we have any faithful men that could carry on what the Father has already poured into you? Do we have any faithful man? I see the relational discipleship making in Moses and Joshua and Elijah and Elijah in Timothy and Paul and in Christ Jesus and his disciples. I see that process of making disciples in all these men. Are you walking with somebody today? Are you doing life with somebody? Have you embraced somebody? And if you did, are you helping them walk out the, the, the life of Christ in their, in their lives? Are you helping them? Are you assisting them? Man, I'll tell you, this week in Cell this Friday, man, it hit me hard, man. I mean, I, I just said, wow, after so many years, all this that I have, or the little that I have, the little revelation I know about Christ, it might not be much. But, man, I want to give it to whoever wants it. Can you make yourself available? Can you love? I know Bob, Bob, Bob Gladstone said that love hurts. Nikki last week and, and, and uh, two weeks ago and Denise were talking about love. Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take an unconditional love to make disciples. You're going to have to be available. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're gonna have to, it, it's a price to pay. But man, at the end, when you see this young man, because you ain't going to be around forever. Somebody got to carry that, that baton. Are you doing life with somebody? You know, it would, this, this is the why we do what we do. And we're going to continue to train men and women and youth and children um, to, to continue to do what Jesus started here on earth. Amen? We're, gonna, we're not going to stop. There's some things that, you know what, we've, we've, we've actually went over and over and cleaned out the schedules and, and cleaned out the calendars and cleaned out the messes. And listen, there's some things that are non-negotiable in this church. And there's some things that it's just the way that the Father has them. He's, he's, he's revealed them in his word. 
And, and there's just some things as discipleship and disciple making and praying and fasting and evangelism and preaching the word. They're not going to cease, man. That's what we, that's our foundation. That's what we're going to keep on doing. We're not going to rent a clown and do a clown show. We're not going to rent a band for you and make you happy. I'll sing for you if you want, but I ain't, we ain't going to do that. But, you know, it would be wrong. And, 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 and Frankie said it really well, but it would be wrong for us now. You know, we, we talked about the who, you're responsible, the why, because Jesus said, this is the way I'm going to prove to you this is what I did. This is what's going to work in your church and in your community. We don't got to go buy a book to figure out how to make disciples. We got the book. We just got to follow the book. That's all. The prescription is right there. But how? How do we do it? You know, I mentioned this last week, and I have to do it purposely. You know, how, how are we doing discipleship? Well, right now, is it, anybody know here how we do discipleship? We're discipling people. Can somebody just scream out a couple things that we're doing? What is it? Cell groups. Absolutely. What else? The baseball diamond, right? The Believer School of Ministry. That's about nine, nine months long. What else? The fire school. Hallelujah. Praise God. What else? Well, evangelism. Yeah, we're doing it. Absolutely. How about the youth? The youth doing discipleship? I, I forgot to mention you, Natalie. I, please forgive me in grace. You're discipling. You're making disciples with our little kids, man. You're empowering our kids and you're teaching them. How about Frankie and the Lib and Pastor Steve and Tracy? These are, listen, I can't tell you and give you a prescription about how to make disciples because there's not one way. But in this church, we have made available for you to submit yourself into discipleship. It is the way of the Father. It's what the Father wants for your life. So discipleship, there's not one cookie cutter way. I can't tell you this is just going to happen in one setting. This is how it's going to be done, and that's it. No, many facets it's happening. In many facets. Some greater than others, but it's happening. And one of my favorite ways that I believe with all my heart that we shy away from it. Because as nice, you know, discipleship is taking place right here today. You're not hearing my words, you're hearing God's words. I'm not repeating anything. I'm I'm, I'm giving you truth from God's word. You're sitting under the word, you're in the word, you're hearing the truth of God, you're being informed about God's word to make a decision how to make some changes in your life so you can give glory to God, the one who called you, so that you can fulfill your purpose in your life here in Chicago. You're being discipled right now. But I'll tell you something. It's not personal. You can't raise your hands. Well, you can if you wanted to, but I'll probably tell you to be quiet right now. No, just kidding. And ask a question, because you can't. You're in fire school, you might have a little bit more liberty. As Frankie said, when you're, in, you're definitely going to have it in the believer school and ministry, we can interact a little there. And discipleship is taking place there. But, but you know what? Acts chapter 242, the one Pastor Steve just read. They continued and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now we're talking about personal now you're talking about leaving this place right here and coming over to my casa. Or I go over your casa. But something happens there now. And I'll tell you, I remember, man, when we were in Medill, I, I, you know, I used to chase people when they come in, man. I used to grab them quick before anybody else can grab them. Come on, come to my small group. And you know what? Some, they would just fight you. Because, see, it, it, it's going to get personal there. But this, this is, you know, this is what it is. You... We walk in through that door, we pat each other on the back three or four times, we ask each other how you're doing, we barely have relationships, but the person asking more than likely wants you to pour your heart out. Well, it's not the time, and besides, I don't know you that well to do that. 
So you know what? You don't know me. You don't know me. But but look it. But when you when when you when you allow yourself, as Pastor Steve says, to be discipled, and you now go into somebody's home, it's a whole different ball game. Now, it's a whole different ball game. Because there you can ask the questions. And you know what I find so fascinating? What happens in a small group? Because after this, we break up into small groups in the church. As you notice, the different classrooms, the different schools. Now you get into the house, and it breaks up again one more time. What happens after you finish the Bible study? What do you see going on? Two and three people, right? Maybe one or two. And then they start exchanging numbers. And then they start talking to one another, confessing. Then they say, hey, let's break this up one more time. Somebody told me three weeks ago, worst thing they can do. Worst thing they can do, girlfriend. He goes, I want you to do something for me. I want you to be straight up with me. This is after like a year now, okay? See, I'm a patient guy. I'm a patient guy. David knows I'm a patient guy. I'm real patient, man. You can walk with me for a while. You can. It, it's going to be all good. I give you time. You know, I, I, hey, listen, this, this is what I know what happens in, in, in small groups. Let's, let's flip it around. Your mother, father, you have your house. When you're, you have kids in your home, right? And, and it's just, just, just use the Popovices. You know, you, you, they're, they, as, as Alde and, and Israel and Yaya begin to grow up, they got different stages that they're going to go through in life. And Daniela's going to teach them and David at each level. They're going to communicate with their kids. Because there's a way that they have to live in that house and act. And I'll tell you something. I, I can bet this because I've seen it. If, if they're in their little playroom in David's house and all day he's got a doll or playing with his little Superman or his cowboy, I'm sure Yaya's going to come and try to take it away. And I'm sure that all day will probably take that doll and say, whack, you ain't going to touch my doll. This is my doll. So right away they come running to mommy and daddy. It says, listen, all day hit me. So she's going to come, Daniela or David. They're going to kneel down and they're going to say, listen. That's not what you do. See? Now, all they can't just leave that house and get up and go. Okay? As he, as he, see, she's going to teach him, listen, this is what you got to do. Because I don't want my little boy in the nursery home and all day just whapping everybody with the dowel. Because Daniela is definitely not going to say, listen, he hit you, you hit him back. I know in some of your houses, that's how it was. Listen, he pushed you, you push him. Don't take none from nobody, man. You, if he, if he hit you, you hit him back twice. You, you're not in the hood, man. You know? So she didn't teach him that. Now some do. Some of them go down there, they gotta call me, Pastor Elder, this boy's belligerent, we gonna take my, let's, let's handle his business. Bring him out. But there's a way. Listen. They're, and when these kids get to teenagers, you still got your brothers and sisters you're living with. And they rub you the wrong way. And you know what? If, if you didn't grow up in a functional house, then you, you know, you grew up in a dysfunctional house, then what you probably did is you left the father's house prematurely. And you need that, that, you need the rub. Sometimes you're gonna get rubbed the wrong way. See, it won't happen here because this isn't intimate, man, but you come to my house, it's gonna get real. It's gonna get real, real. So you're going to get rubbed the wrong way. It's going to feel uncomfortable. But you don't just chat. You don't say, i got to leave the father's house. Some of you have left the father's house prematurely, and you still haven't dealt with some of the issues in your life, and you think you're going to come to my father's house and do what you want. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. I tried it. I tried to buck the system. Daddy said, no, son. There's a whole new way of learning. you got to learn now. You can't. You can't. And so when we get into these small groups 
It breaks up one more time. So this brother tells me, shoot. I said, wait a minute. You want to explain that to me like if I was a three-year-old? Because when you tell me to take a shot, I'm going to take my shot. In other words, somebody will come up to you mentor me. Ask them what that means to them. Because it could mean something totally different. I'm ready to cross over the line. Bam! Come on. And I ain't going to come talking to Pastor Steve, man. That Pastor L, he's brutal, man. I mean, he, well, he told me to do it. He told me to talk into his life. He told me to be real. And I've been waiting for a whole year to tell this brother how I felt. And now I got the chance, and now he wants to run from me. You can't do that, man. So what do you mean by that? And so we left from that small group, and last week we met at Dunkin' Donuts to have a cup of coffee. Don't believe what they say about police officers. They don't like donuts. That's, that's a myth. So I go sit with this brother, and we get intimate, man. And God just does an amazing work. And he just comes down heavy, man, and revelation comes, but it's, it's broken down, man. See, discipleship, making disciples is happening. We're about to start up our small groups, and I believe in them with all my heart. Because, I mean, that's when it's going to get real. You know, when the Holy Spirit fell on these guys in, 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 um, in, um, in the book of Acts, you know, it wasn't something that was uh, just, um, what is it called, um, momentarily. It wasn't some enthusiasm that just stopped. It was a continuous fire in them. To, 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 they made a commitment, man. To do life together. They made a commitment to care for one another. They made a commitment to fellowship. They made a commitment to pray and worship God. That's what happened. And, and, I, and they didn't swerve from it. They didn't shift. They didn't say, oh, well, I don't feel like going today. What do you mean you don't feel like going, man? What's wrong with that? There's something wrong with that. And because they stuck to it, look what happened. It produced what it was supposed to produce. Faith in God. Faith in his way, faith in the church, and confidence and trust to put the things that they learn to practice. Community and fellowship with God. That was the way of the early church, and that's how they made disciples. Now listen, what an inviting way of life when loneliness drives people into one place. But that don't mean they're together. Together. We want to build community? We're all going to have to. Be held accountable. We're all going to have to be. We're all going to have. We, we're all going to need to be helped by one another. You can't do this by yourself. I, 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 I'm excited. Listen, God is wanting to bring us a harvest. God is doing a new thing here in our church, and we're getting ourselves ready. We're getting ourselves ready to receive the harvest. Jose brought an awesome word last week about mending the nets, and we're mending the nets with love to receive all that comes. We need to get ourselves ready. We need to get ready to be ready for what God wants to bring us, man. Amen. This isn't about you or me. Pastor Steve's not trying to create something with his name. This is about God. This is about, this is about heaven, man, being brought down here to earth, to Chicago in our lives. You want community? Then you're going to have to get involved. You're going to have to get discipled. There is no other way. You can't cheat it. Now, if you leave the Father's house prematurely, more than likely your development has been ceased and stunk right there. But you can come back to the Father's house and you can get restored and healed so that you can be a well-rounded individual. You know, when, you're, when, you, when that kid, when my daughters and sons leave my house, 
They're going to know how to deal with some issues. Maybe not all of them, but they're going to know how to deal with some issues. Because I've done my best to just to shape them all. I can't say, listen, you know, it's all about God and nothing else. There's a real world out there they got to face. i got to teach them how to use their sword. And even now, man, nowadays, it just these young kids have a mind that just, it's, it's, it's way out there. Lord, give me wisdom because he's got to know how to maybe pull that sword out a whole different way now, man. Whatever. Lord, show me. Because I want my kids, when they leave here, to be not only productive citizens in the kingdom of God, but when they go out there, they can handle themselves as well. I want God's wisdom. We need God's wisdom. We're his children. And he wants to set us up to win. To fulfill. He just didn't call you to come and be bench warmers. He didn't just call you to come and bring your tithes and offering. He didn't just call you to come so you could sing a couple fast songs, slow songs, and then you could say, it's it. I'm through. I'm going home. I'm going to get in your face, man. I w- Listen, don't tell me you want a better marriage and you can't meet with me and begin to make changes in your life deliberately. You can't tell me. This is my new thing. When you come to me now, you go, Pastor, I need help. I'm going to ask you, do you want to change? Do you want to change, really? Yes. Okay. Well, let's go. Let's start walking. Let's start doing life together. Pastor Steve, I got a little song I want to play. Do you think it would be okay? Let us all stand up. No, I'm not going to sing. Let's just... You guys know this song. You can sing along with, man. But I just, I just believe it's a time to renew our commitment. Get excited about what God's doing, man. Have a heart and a faith of expectation like never before. Man, there's people out there that need us. There's people in our church that need us. We need to begin to bathe them in love. Go ahead, brother. Raise it up. Nice and loud.
ask all the leaders to come on up here to the front and make a line here. Ladies, all the leaders, your wives, come on up here. Just keep it playing. Listen, on behalf of the leaders, it's a new day. It's a new beginning. We want to apologize to you for whatever reason you felt we might have abandoned you. Or you felt that we've neglected you. Don't believe that lie. Some of you are holding wounds and hurts for uh, maybe with one of our leaderships. Listen, disciple making, it's going to take place right now. If you feel that we've hurt you and we've abandoned you, if you feel that your, your, your growth is stumped because of something we said or didn't do because we didn't follow through with our commitment, listen, forgive us. That was not our intentions. We never intended to hurt you. We value you, every one of you. Pastor Stephen Tracy, love you to death. This guy and his woman and his wife have been through so much. David, Frankie, Jeff's here now. We're all here. If we've hurt you, don't leave today. Take advantage. Even if you gotta say sorry because you thought something wrong about us. Because you judged us. Listen, we wanna do church, man. We don't want to play church. We wanna do church, man. I want you to take advantage. I mean, if you feel like I just need your prayer. Come on up. Come on up and let the leaders pray for you. They're going to they're gonna renew their commitment to you. They're going re, to recommit their loyalty to you, to seeing you being discipled. Amen. Take, take, it, take advantage. You might have to say sorry. It's okay. They're not going to get hurt. They're not going to be offended by you. They're ready to forgive you. Just take advantage. And even if somebody in their last church hurt you, and you and, and, and I believe, tell me, if you don't release that pastor because they hurt you and you came here hurt, you come up here and have one of these ministers pray for you. Don't leave. Don't leave today. This is your opportunity now. You won't say you've never given the opportunity to make things right. Amen. You're just going to let it play. You take your time. You come on up. Amen.